everybody, this is Barbara Graver, and I promised in the last episode of the podcast that I was going to do uh, testimony part two. So the testimony that I have up on YouTube and on the podcast is part one of my testimony. And I did that in early 2018, I believe, not long after I left the New Age, and a lot has happened since then, including me coming back to the Catholic Church, hence the name of the podcast, New Age Catholic. And I want to talk a little bit about uh, about what happened in the interim and also fill in a few blanks of things that I didn't really address in the first part of my testimony. So as I said in, in the first part of my testimony, I was raised in a very secular home. We were nominally Protestant, but we did not practice at all. And I did have experience, um, both experience of what I believe was the Holy Spirit when I was a child and also experience with the Catholic Church uh, through a friend's family. And I was always very drawn to the church. Uh, it was something that always attracted me. And yet I I ended up getting pulled in the opposite direction, getting pulled into occultism and the new age. And um, as you all know, but prior to my deep, deep dive into the New Age, I did convert to Catholicism. This was in the early 90s. And there were a couple reasons for this. Part of it was my childhood experience. Part of it was I was working as a home health nurse at the time. And the people I took care of then, I just took care of these lovely, lovely Catholic women who were such great ambassadors for the faith. And... um they made it very attractive to me, their, their sanctity and their holiness and their love of, the, of their faith and of Jesus and the Blessed Mother was just very compelling. And I also had, um, I had a vision, which may have been my imagination. I don't really know. I've had a lot of different spiritual experiences, and this is one um, that I'm, I'm not 100% on. I had been watching... Uh, because of the influence of my home health patients, I'd been watching a lot of Catholic TV and Catholic documentaries. And I had just watched something. It was either on the Blessed, it was on the Blessed Mother. It was on Apparition, but it was either on, either Fatima or Lourdes. I'm not sure which. But after I turned off the TV, I just had this quick kind of flash vision of what looked like the Blessed Mother. And, and I wasn't sure really at the time quite what it was, and I'm not sure now quite what it was, to be honest, but it, it was another piece, um, adding that on to my patience and, and my childhood experience. It was another piece that kind of drew me, and I began to just develop this hunger for the Eucharist, and, and that's what I told the priest when I, I went to the church and said I wanted to become Catholic. I said, it's because I've been going to a Protestant church, and, and they celebrate the Eucharist infrequently and I feel I need to come somewhere where it's it's a major part of the service so it was essentially those three things that drew me and and I did convert to Catholicism and I was very happy in the Catholic faith I really was I um, went to mass Every Sunday, sometimes during the week, I filled my house with holy pictures. I was really, I love the church. I love being Catholic. But I could see now, looking back, that I didn't have a deep spiritual practice. I really wasn't praying that much. I wasn't studying the Bible. I wasn't studying the catechism. I was showing up, and and I was happy where I was at. 
but I wasn't really putting down deep roots. And so I think when tragedy struck and my oldest son was in a serious, serious accident, which he survived, but he was seriously disabled, um, kind of turned my whole world upside down. When that happened, I just didn't have the roots uh, to withstand that. And, and I was very angry with God. Um, even though I feel he warned me, he warned me, my guardian angel warned me, I'm not sure. But I did feel I got a warning prior to the accident, which I ignored. Um, and I just got so angry with God over it, even though he'd warned me. It wasn't really fair. But it, it undermined my faith. It just did. It undermined my faith. And, and a couple other things happened. The priests that I had come into the church kind of under their watch left and, and the new priest I didn't really connect with. And, um, and there were various things happening. But I think the real reason was that I didn't put down roots. It was not the church's fault. It was my fault. I didn't put down roots. So, I tried to um, tried to hang in there, but I really wasn't able to do it. And I think that in retrospect, the people of the congregation really tried very hard. Um, the priest before he left, the priest who I had um, studied under when I first joined the church, uh, he arranged for a sizable donation to help us with a wheelchair van for my son. Um, people used to just drop off in our in our mailbox certificates like for the grocery store and different things like that like people were very kind one day a guy from the parish just showed up and offered to build a wheelchair ramp for us and uh, the priest would come and sit with my son in the hospital and, and people were very kind but for whatever reason it wasn't enough and I did leave the church and I got involved in the new age and then this I go into in much more detail in part one of my testimony, so I encourage you to listen to that. But towards the end, I had seven solid years in the New Age, and, and really I'd been dabbling before that all my life. And as I got to the end of that time, I began to question, uh, because my youngest son began to have health problems, and I began to question my New Age beliefs, in particular I was working with these spiritual, supernatural beings that I believed were my guides, and they were giving me all kinds of information. And, and a lot of this information was was accurate. I mean, it was evidential information. I found out people had died. I found out how they died. I found out all kinds of things. I was doing tarot readings. I, I was getting a lot of information. And it was very convincing, but what my issue was and what made me to start questioning was the fact that my youngest son got so sick and they didn't give me a heads up about that. They gave me nothing. And um, he was sick for a while and I didn't know and it it just didn't fit to me that I had this pipeline to the other side and yet they didn't give me a heads up about my son. So that was what started me questioning. But that really wasn't what brought me out of the new age. And it wasn't following Doreen Virtue, as I've, I've been accused of. It was actually after I began to question, I began to critically look at the beliefs I held. And one thing I had done when I was in the new age, which a lot of people do, is I would go from new age topic to new age topic, just kind of skating along the surface. I would be into this topic and I'd be into that topic, like numerology, 
ascended masters, astrology, mediumship, crystals, Wicca, whatever. I'd be into it to a certain point, and then I'd just get flow into something else, you know, and I was just skating over the surface for seven years, just skating over the surface. But when this thing happened with my youngest son, I stopped. I stopped, and I looked at what I was doing, and I looked at what I was studying, and I started to dig. So I was the last thing I was into, I believe, before um, before I really began to question was the Ascended Master's teachings. So I started there. I started to dig down into the Ascended Master's teachings and ask where they came from. And and not just where they came from or about, about where they came from, but to actually read those original books that were written by the people who who first put this stuff out. And so I got several books by a, per, a woman named Alice Bailey. And her books were very interesting. And one thing that kind of struck me was that when she had first started writing her book, she had called her publishing company, company Lucifer Publishing. And I thought, that's odd that she chose that name. And I kind of set that aside. And then I kept digging, and I got to Helena Blavatsky, who was actually Alice's Bailey's teacher. And the, Helena Blavatsky is the mother of the New Age movement. I mean, there's no doubt that she is the mother of the New Age movement. And she, too, her first magazine was called Lucifer. And I thought, that's odd. And, um, you know, I started looking at their teachings and, and started asking myself that these beings that were giving them this information, who were they? And I just started to wonder, what if these beings aren't good? What if they're not good? What if they don't have our best interests at heart? And I was looking around and I was seeing signs that, that in the New Age community, that the information that people were getting and giving and acting upon really wasn't helping anyone. Nobody was, nobody was having victory in their life. Nobody seemed to be really evolving. Everyone thought they were evolving, but I just didn't see it, it really paying off for people. And I didn't see it paying off for me or for my family. So I kept on looking, and the next thing I looked into was mediumship because I had been, prior to the Ascended Master stuff, I'd been deeply, deeply involved with mediumship. I'd been um, studying with the spiritualists and, and really getting quite quite um, entrenched in mediumship. And, and I dug back to that, and I, I began to read like the original books about the spiritualist movement, and I found out that the two little girls who had started the whole spiritualist movement craze in the 1800s had gotten their first messages from an entity they called Mr. Splitfoot, which is a known known moniker for Satan. And and so I just kept stumbling over this stuff. And it wasn't just the teachings. It wasn't just the qual- quality of the teachings. It wasn't just the, the creepiness of Aleister Crawley who was kind of behind the tarot or, or, or Gerald Gardner, who was behind modern day Wicca, you know, it wasn't just, just that it was actual specific things that when you looked at their sources and the information they were getting it and how they were getting it, you had to ask yourself, was this really coming from the right place? And I began to feel that it wasn't, I began to feel, get a really bad feeling about it. And I was still reading tarot professionally then. And I, began to just question the energy I felt hovering 
behind the card ratings. I began to question everything. And that's one thing I kind of want to stress because often when I do try to talk to people about this, people in the new age or that I know in the new age, um, you know, people will, will accuse me sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly of being closed-minded, judgmental Christian. But actually, I don't think that what I was doing in the new age was open-mindedness. I think it was being indiscriminate. I think it was being indiscriminate and spiritually superficial. And I think that's what got me in trouble. I don't think it had anything to do with being open-minded. And, and that's me personally. I'm not accusing other people of that, but I'm saying for me personally, I was not thinking critically. I was not digging deep. I was not taking a hard look at things. And once I began to do that, the whole tower of cards began to crumble. And I would encourage anyone who's involved in the new age to really take a hard look. Like don't move on to the next thing. Once you get a little uncomfortable, stay put and drill down and take a hard look at what it is you're studying and, and see, judge it. And I mean judge in the right sense of the word and judges and discern if it's something that's actually worthwhile or not. Um, some people will, some people won't. But when I dug under those things, I began, and it, it was more than just the terminology, but based on the terminology alone, I began to realize that there was actual, I began to feel that there was actual evil fueling these things and that it was spiritual deception and that it was no accident that my life had not gone well since I got involved in the new age and that the lives of my, my kids hadn't gone well and that that things were I was just in a holding pattern and things were actually deteriorating um, so I began to just see that pattern in my new age studies that I would go from the Ascended Masters to energy healing to Wicca to mediumship to crystals to you name it. I would just go from thing to thing to thing. But what I started to realize when I looked at it critically was that every time I would start to really dig and start to get close to um, some of these things, like when I was studying the ancient goddesses, you know, when I started to get actual books on Sumerian religion and read those books and really drill down, I was finding things that were very disturbing. And so I would just move to something else. And I began to see that pattern of every time I would get close to what I think is truth of the actual inherent evil under this stuff. I would be diverted. And uh, I believe that was what, by design. And I do believe in intelligent evil. And I think that's what's at work in the new age. So, I, you know, I saw this. This evil in a very literal way in, in terms of my research. And, and I felt it when I was reading cards and I began to become more aware of it. And it no longer felt friendly to me. So like a true new ager, I asked for a sign. I began to get interested in Christianity. I did not know that Dorian Virtue had become a Christian. <laughs> so, uh, a few people, I had it, I had a, metaphysical blog that was quite popular. So so I had somewhat of a following online. And one of the things I've been accused of on many occasions is blindly following Dorian Virtue. And I actually didn't know about Dorian Virtue um, when when I left the New Age. And, and I'm definitely not following her now. Although I did a little bit for a time. And I, I'll talk about that. But 
Anyhow, so I decided to ask for a sign. And I don't recommend you ask for a sign because asking for a sign is, it's spiritually indiscriminate. It's kind of like open invitation to Satan, but I believe that I got lucky. And I was thinking about Christianity and I wasn't sure. And so I asked for a sign and I went the next day to the flea market. And I took $8 with me, which was really unusual. You know, normally I like the flea market. I'll take 20 30 sometimes $40 to the flea market. And, um, but I had $8 on me and I thought, doesn't matter. It's a rainy day. I'm probably not going to need more money than this. I probably won't even spend this. So I just went with the $8 and, and so we're walking around the flea market. There's only a few vendors. And they're all spread out across this huge parking lot full of puddles. And we had slickers on. It was actually actively raining at that time. And I saw this Blessed Mother statue, this old plaster Blessed Mother statue on a table. And I, I'd been wanting one. Like, I didn't know why, because I, I, I passed all my Catholic paraphernalia along a, a while before. Um, but I'd been wanting one. And so I asked how much it was, and it was $5, which was was quite surprising to me because I'd been looking for one for a while, and they're generally much, much more than that. And this was in perfect condition. So I bought it. I spent the $5, and I bought it. And then we're walking along a little further, and I see this uh, cold cast St. Bridget's Cross from Ireland, brass, bronze, something like that from Ireland, and I asked the guy how much it was, and he's like, 25 cents, and I didn't have change. So he's like, take it, take it, take it. He refused to take my dollar. He made me take it. And and so I now I have two things, two items, two religious items. And, and I'm still not thinking of the sign at that point. And I walk on a little further. Actually, from across the parking lot, I saw this silver crucifix um, catching the light. And I walked over to the table, and it was the standing silver crucifix with a holy water water font in it and two candle holders. And I asked the woman how much it was, and she said $3. So I bought that. And, you know, we left. And I was on the way home, and all of a sudden it occurred to me that I had bought three items that represented Christianity for the exact to the penny amount of money I had brought with me that day. And, and I consider that a sign. Um, I did consider it a sign. And, and I still to this day believe it was a sign. And so uh, a few days after that, um, you know, I been, started praying and I had a vision. And just a word about visions. Um, visions... I do believe in private revelation. I definitely do believe in that. And as a Catholic, I can believe in that, which is nice because the church does believe in it. But I don't ever think we should base a decision on private revelation. I think it's a very dangerous thing to do. And um, definitely, if you've been in the New Age, you've been, been deceived. Odds are you've been deceived. And... I believe that I don't believe people have inherent psychic abilities anymore. I used to believe that because I like to think I was was uh, remarkable. But um, I believe when we have psych- get psychic information or phenomena 
it's given to us, and it can be given to us by God, or it could be given to us through our imagination in some cases, although I think after a while you can tell the difference. And it could be given to us by Satan, and Satan is, um, he, he's very good at tricking people. So I, I'm very cautious about signs. However, I'm very cautious about visions. However, I did have this vision. It was a beautiful, beautiful vision. And, and this was another thing that kind of convinced me to continue with Christianity. So I did. I, I continued on with Christianity. And I got involved. This is the point where Dorian Virtue kind of comes in. I got involved with, uh, some of these online new aged Christian groups. And they were all associated either directly or indirectly, I think, with Dorian Virtue or, or some of the people who, who kind of attached themselves to Dorian Virtue. And, and I had some very kind of negative experiences in this, in these groups, but early on, um, they did influence me, definitely. They were um, basically like evangelical groups, like kind of reform Protestant theology. And and this is kind of, you know, interesting sort of theology. It's um, cessationist, which means they don't believe in any kind of spiritual experience. They believe that happened at the time of the disciples and the apostles and that it's over with. So they don't believe in any kind of private revelation or they don't like religious art. There's no saints. There's no blessed mother. Um, it's their, their faith is pretty much centered on scripture, but it differs from Catholicism in so far as if it's not in the Bible, it is completely irrelevant to faith. So Catholicism is based on scripture. If you read the, the catechism of the Catholic church, you see that very clearly. Uh, scripture is huge in, in the Catholic Church, but there is also tradition. There is tradition that goes back, they believe continuously, I believe continuously, uh, to the time of the apostles that, that goes alongside Scripture. So it's not 100% based on Scripture. But at the time, and this shows how, you know, what a bad Catholic I had been, at the time, I didn't really know that. I didn't really understand that. And I had these people telling me, you know, this is blasphemy to pray to Mary, which we don't pray to Mary. We ask Mary to pray for us like we do all the saints. But um, it's not in the Bible. And, and some of these things are not explicitly in the Bible. They're tradition. And, and I'm not saying Catholicism is right and Protestantism is wrong. That's not my point. My point is it's a different standard. Uh, Catholicism is based on scripture and tradition where Protestant, the Protestant faiths primarily are based 100% on the Bible. So, um, they're not all reform. I mean, there are Protestant faiths that are continuationists. They do believe in private revelation, but the ones I was involved with through the Dorian Virtue stuff really didn't. So, I joined a church along that same line, uh, it was a non-denominational evangelical church, kind of Baptist or Reform-leaning church, cessationist church. And it, it wasn't a great fit for me, but I kept going because my son, my oldest son, who's in a wheelchair, was going with me. And they had a 4 o'clock service, which worked for him. It's very hard for him to do anything in the morning. And and so we're going to this church, and, and I've got my reservations. There's some things I really don't like. I There there were things I wasn't wasn't crazy about with the church but it was a good fit for him so we're going and all of a sudden out of the blue they cancel this 
very well attended by most church standards uh, Saturday afternoon service. So we're kind of adrift. And we went to a couple services at the Catholic Church. And, and I was, I connected immediately with the sanctity of the service. But I still had a lot of baggage. And I don't think I was, wasn't ready to come back. So I <coughs> kept looking. And I decided to uh, check out the Pentecostal Church, which I loved. I love the Pentecostal Church. Um, it was a really good experience all the way around. And it was a good fit for me in some ways. I mean, they are continuationists. They believe in private revelation. They believe in the Holy Spirit. They believe you can, you know, connect with the Holy Spirit. It's a very dynamic, you know, um, fun kind of service. And the music's great. And I really, really liked it. And I was happy being a Pentecostal. I really was. And then I went to Israel, and that changed everything. Going to Israel changed everything for me. I had dreams before I went. I had visions while I was there. And I had the strongest sense when I was in Israel of the darkness that surrounded Jerusalem and the light of Jesus. Uh, it was incredible experience. And I went to these churches, I mean, the Church of the Annunciation, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where things actually happened. Um, things happened in those churches to, to have to do with the faith. And they built the churches around them and over them. And it's just amazing experience to go there. I have to do a whole episode just, just on the Israel trip, I think. But I, I was very surprised and how much I connected uh, with Catholicism when I was there. Very surprised. But I came back fully intending to continue to be a Pentecostal, and I went back to church, and then my car broke down. And my car broke down over and over again. And sometimes, a lot of times, it would be fine during the week when Sunday would come, no car. I mean, I would actually go out there to start my car and it wouldn't start. And so I, I went through about six weeks of not going to church at all. And I really missed it. And, you know, nobody offered me a ride or anything. And, and a lot of that was because I lived in the other town and I had no way to get there and I didn't want to impose on anybody. And so I was just stuck not being able to go to church. And after about six or seven weeks of this, maybe probably closer to eight, it occurred to me that I had two churches within walking distance of my house. And one was less than two blocks away. And I could see it from my porch if I stretch. And I just thought, why not? You know, why not go to the Catholic Church? It's right here. And so I did. I, I walked. Um, I actually went to St. John's, which was a little farther away. And, you know, walked like three blocks down the street and kind of completed this journey that took really in a lot of ways my entire life. And I, I went to services and I wanted to receive communion. So I went to confession. And that was powerful. It was powerful. I went in there and told the priest I hadn't been to confession for 20 years. God bless him. And he heard it, my confession. And I renounced the new age. And even though 
I'd renounced it before that time really took. I just felt that it was real and I felt something lift off of me that, that hadn't, that I hadn't realized I'd been carrying. And so I came back to the church. I came back to Catholicism. And I think one thing that's interesting about all this is I believe in private revelation. I do. And, um, I think it's important to our life of faith, but one thing I want to say, when God moves in your life, he moves. And I couldn't go back to the church I had logically picked. I was completely unable. I was stopped. I feel like God stopped me cold. And he shut that door. He shut the door on two churches, actually. And he opened the door to the Catholic Church. And, and I'm just so grateful for that. So it's different being Catholic, I think, than definitely different than being in the New Age where you think you're so evolved that you're almost God. And it, it's different, too, than being evangelical where, for me, I thought, oh, you know, I know the Bible so well and you feel like kind of clever and a little bit cleverer than the next person. And um, it's different. It's very different because, you know, when you read the saints and when you read the catechism and when you... Um, partake of like the rich resources of the Catholic Church, at least for me, like I am struck by how spiritual or remedial I am and how much spir- spiritual formation I have to do. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's never ending. And I think the good thing is though, I know that now. I mean, I don't know. My roots probably aren't that deep. I mean, I, I'm still struggling. I get a lot of spiritual warfare. I do a lot of struggling just in my day-to-day. Um, it's a struggle for me. I have a spiritual practice. I struggle with the spiritual practice. Like, everything's hard. Everything's hard. It's, it's not easy walk. But I know I'm in the right place. So I just wanted to share that. And, and one of the reasons I decided to do the podcast and have it on YouTube, too, um, is just kind of to share my journey. And I see a lot of people, as I said in the first episode, who are entering into evangelical Christianity, kind of falling after during virtue, like I kind of did. And and that's fine if it works for you. I, I'm not anti-Protestant. I, I feel like I learned so much from my time being a Protestant. I, I think the evangelicals and, and the Pentecostals too, you know, they taught me to value scripture. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I really am. And, but for me, the Catholic Church contains is the full, full, um, measure of faith and, uh, not just part. So it's, it's where I belong. So I'm doing the podcast just kind of to let people know that, you know, if you're in the new age or if you were in the new age, and you were Catholic before and you're thinking of coming back to the church, don't let anybody tell you you can't. And if you don't know why the Catholic church is, is a good alternative, then, then find out. Do your research and don't let anybody tell you, uh, where you can and cannot go because I, I feel like that's happening a little too much. And, um, I'm not saying if you feel called to be Protestant, fine, go for it. But if, if you feel called back to the church, uh, it, do yourself a favor and honor that. Um, don't 
don't make God have to like bring you back. And by the way, I have the same car now, and I have no problems with it once I went back to the Catholic Church. I mean, it was in and out of the shop. I don't mean it was miraculously fixed, but they finally figured out what was wrong with it, and there hasn't been any problems since. So um, I think that's telling. So that's it. This is the second part of my testimony. If you haven't heard the first part, check it out. And uh, you can find out more about me and about my media and all that stuff. I, uh, I blog at barbagraver.com. And so I have the podcast, which I post to the blog. And I also uh, post it. I have a podcast website. So you can vis- visit either one of those. And most of the stuff's on barbagraver.com. But check either one out. So I, I hope this resonated with somebody. And I do take questions and comments. You can comment on YouTube. You can email me at contact at barbagraver.com or you could comment on the blog or on social media. Um, any questions, any concerns, anything, any questions I can answer, I certainly will. So that's it. I hope it was helpful. And uh, I, I'm doing the podcast about every two weeks for now. So I will see you in a couple weeks. And until then... May God bless us all.